Thank you, Pastor Scott, and good morning, church family, and happy Father's Day to all of our dads. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, and we're looking at a single verse together this morning. That is verse 4. If you're using one of the Bibles that we provide under the seats, you will find this passage on page 979. I'd like to begin in a word of prayer, and then we will explore it together. Let's pray now. Our Father, we do give you thanks for this day. Lord, we love this day. We love gathering together to worship you. We love renewing our fellowship with one another. And Lord, on this day, we also want to take a moment to thank you for the gift of fatherhood and thank you so much for the men within this congregation that you have raised up, have called to the office of Father. And Lord, would you bless them, bless their efforts. Would you please give them a clear sense of their mission as dads? Would you help them to understand the best way to go about accomplishing that mission? And would you supply them with all the resources that they need to do their jobs well? And Lord, we pray that as a result of their efforts, we might have a new generation grow up knowing and loving you, ready to take the reins of leadership in local churches, ready to glorify you through your church. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the statistics on fatherhood are well known. Kids who grow up without a dad are more likely to commit a crime, more likely to go to prison, more likely to abuse alcohol and drugs, more likely to be abused by others. They're more likely to suffer from anxiety and depression. They are twice as likely to become obese, twice as likely to drop out of school, twice as likely to commit suicide. They are four times as likely to end up in poverty, and girls are seven times as likely to become pregnant in their teen years. And all of this means that if you want a civil society, you have to have involved fathers. Yet as Christians, we also want more than just a civil society. We want a godly society. And more than that, we want a thriving church. We want a church that is bursting at every seam with men and women and children who know and love God, who are eager to accomplish the biblical mission. And for this to become reality, we need more than just involved dads. We need godly dads. We need Christian dads. And we need dads who have a clear sense of their mission. And we need dads who understand that there is an improper way to go about making disciples of their kids. There's also a good way to go about it. And all of this leads us to today's text, which again is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Now this verse is addressed to dads, and that is because God has appointed dads to be the responsible leaders of their households. So the work of making disciples of their kids is primarily their responsibility. They're the ones who have got to see to it that this is being done. This is the mission of Christian fatherhood. It's to make disciples of their kids. And as we go through this text together this morning, we're going to see the wrong way to go about disciple-making in the home, and then we're going to see the right way to go about it. 
Well, let's begin with the negative side then. The verse begins, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Do not provoke your children to anger. Now, the NIV translates this, Fathers, do not exasperate your kids. And I really like that word. I think it captures the essence of what the Apostle Paul is trying to tell us here. See, dads, it's good to have a clear sense of our mission, namely to make disciples of our kids, but it's equally important to understand that there is a right and a wrong way to go about accomplishing that mission. And in our zeal to make disciples of our kids, we can fall into the error of trying to force our kids to become disciples of Christ through overweening or overbearing tactics. And I think that's what this is warning us against. So what kinds of things would be exasperating or provoking to our kids? Well, let me suggest uh, a few faulty tactics that we might be tempted to employ. Number one, making rules that are impossible for our kids to follow or rules which are arbitrary or unreasonable or nonsensical to anybody, child or adult. Consider some of these rules which I found on BuzzFeed this week. One person wrote, my mom's strange rule was that I could never put, pet the cat because he shed everywhere. One time, I literally put my hand on my cat's head, and my mom yelled at me so loudly and didn't talk to me the rest of the day. And she writes, I am still confused. Now, that is a confusing rule, to bring a cat into your home, but then to tell your kids, you're not allowed to touch the cat. And if you do touch the cat, I'm going to scream at you, and then I'm going to give you the silent treatment for the rest of the day. Okay, that's a harsh rule. It doesn't make much sense. Or how about this rule? This one says we weren't allowed to leave the refrigerator open for more than 10 seconds. There was a timer on the fridge, and it would beep when it went past 10 seconds. Or consider this rule. This person wrote, Dad must be the first to open and read the morning newspaper. If the pages have been separated already, he will refuse to read it. Then there's this rule. I wasn't allowed to put on anything scented before bed, not even lotion. I had to go to bed scentless or my parents would get angry at me. And then there's this one, my personal favorite. We weren't allowed to have blue Smarties because my parents were convinced they contained heroin. Now, ima imagine giving your kids a package of Smarties saying, okay, kid, you can have the red one, you can have the white one, you can have the yellow one. Don't touch the blue one. That one's lethal. These kids lived under that rule. See, dads, it's good to be zealous about making disciples of our kids. And yet, in our zeal, we can be tempted to employ tactics that are counterproductive to the goal. And having rules in our household like these, they're going to be counterproductive. Our kids are not going to understand them. They're going to grow frustrated by them. It's not going to help them grow into godliness. And you know, it's not just these kinds of rules, but we can have the same types of rules in place related to the Christian faith. Rules and regulations in our household that we are hoping will guide our kids in the way of godliness, but which really make no sense to them at all, which really are, 
are failing to achieve the purpose. Or here's another way we might be exasperating or provoking to our kids. We might be hypercritical towards our kids when they make mistakes. Sometimes we can forget that, that our kids, especially our young kids, they don't have the life experience that we do. They don't have the knowledge base. Their bodies are constantly growing and changing, and so it's easy for them to, to spill things or to break things. They're, they're, they're not in full command yet of all of their motor skills. And so if we are overly critical or, or harsh toward them as they are going through these early stages of development, it can be truly exasperating. Or number three, sometimes we can assign punishments that are way, way out of proportion to the offense. Think of that, think of that person who said, when I touched my cat, mom screamed at me and then gave me the silent treatment the rest of the day. Okay, that is a... That is a punishment not in proportion to the offense. Dads, sometimes we can be guilty of having harsh, threatening, or caustic demeanors. Sometimes we might be tempted to use emotionally manipulative tactics, trying to get our kids to do what we want them to do through a combination of guilt trips or shaming them or intimidating them. But as these tactics will not work. In fact, our text says, don't provoke your children to anger. You see, that'll be the result of all of this. Instead of your kids growing up to become healthy Christian disciples, they're just going to grow up resentful about their childhood. They'll grow up angry with you. And they may even grow up hostile to the gospel of Christ. Because you see, if you're presenting yourself to your kids as a mature Christian and then you are approaching your kids in a way that is harsh and manipulative and overbearing and all of this, they'll begin associating Christianity with all of that. Because after all, you're saying, I'm a Christian dad, I want you to be a Christian, and you're using these tactics. You see how it could be counterproductive. Your children could end up despising the faith in the end. And then Colossians 3.21 adds this additional detail. It says, don't provoke your kids or they will become discouraged. That means if you approach your parenting in this way, dads, your kids might, might um, have their spirits crushed. They might spend the rest of their days wrestling with guilt and shame and fear rather than enjoying the joy of the Holy Spirit. And so, dads, it's good. It's good to be zealous about making disciples of your kids. But understand, there is a wrong way to go about doing that. And following a strategy that is provoking and exasperating, that is not the right way to go. In fact, dads, if that has been your approach thus far, may I suggest that you go to your wife and kids and offer the sincerest apology to them. And say, especially to your kids, look, I want so much for you to know and to love God. I want you to grow up and become Christians, but I haven't been going about it the wrong way. I realize that now. Just ask your kids to forgive you. You know, children are wonderfully big-hearted. They probably will forgive you. Then you tell your kids, it's going to take a little bit of time and practice, but I want to do things differently. I'm going to try now. Will you please be patient with me as I try? And your kids are probably going to say yes 
We, we will be patient while you try to do better. Do this, dads. Do this if you need to. Well, then that takes us to the second part of verse 4. This shows us a winning strategy for making disciples of our kids. Look what it says. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but we could add here, instead, do this. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So dads, don't provoke but rather discipline and instruct in the Lord. This, this is your winning strategy. Let's take these words one at a time. First, it says, discipline your children in the Lord. Now, the word discipline has a decidedly negative connotation in our culture. I understand that. But it's not meant to have a negative connotation within today's text. In fact, the NIV translates the word train. Fathers, train your children in the Lord. The King James Version uses an even softer word. It says, fathers, nurture your children in the Lord. And I think that is the idea here. It's that dads, instead of trying to make disciples of your kids through those harsh, overbearing tactics, instead, try this. Try carefully and gently and wisely bringing your kids along and show them the ways of the Lord as you lead them. That's the better way to go. Dads, think of it like farming. Let's say you want to grow a crop of corn. There's a wrong way to go about doing that, right? And one wrong way would be to take a handful of seeds, chuck them at a random piece of ground, and then take out a sledgehammer and try to pound them into the earth and say, grow, grow, grow. You're not going to get corn that way. Well, you're not going to get Christian disciples if you raise your kids that way either. How do you raise a crop of corn? Well, the first thing you do is make sure that you have a good environment for the seeds, right? A good, nutritious soil. And then you plant those seeds very carefully, one at a time, and you put them at just the right spacing, just the right depth in the soil. And then you make sure they have enough sunlight, and then you make sure they have enough water, and then you show extreme patience, and you just wait, and you pray to God for good weather, and you, you wait for the crops to begin to sprout. And then as they begin to, to come forth, you do the next task. You start to... to Remove the weeds so they don't get in the way of the corn stalks. And you, you try to get all of the, the insects out of the way. You don't want them to harm the crops. So you see, you are, you are working on the soil. You are patiently caring for the crop. You are removing threats to the crop. That's how you grow a healthy field. And dads, that's how you make Christian disciples in your home. Not through harsh tactics, but through care and gentleness and wisdom and concern and patience and a whole lot of prayer. That's how you do it. And that is discipline. And then the second word, it says, and bring them up in the instruction 
of the Lord. Now, the King James Version translates this, admonition. Bring them in the admonition of the Lord. Now, this word speaks of offering words of warning, counsel, and, and correction. So there's, there's this positive and negative side to parenting. Positively, you're creating a good environment for them. You're encouraging them and trying to raise them up in godliness. But then you also need to have corrective measures in place. You need to show them when they're going astray. You need to, to lead them in the way they ought to go. Perhaps you can think of it as putting a, a, a fence around your garden or around your crops. You don't want the, the plants to transgress the healthy soil. You're keeping them in the, the safe barriers. Daz, this is your winning strategy. Don't provoke your kids, but instead discipline them and instruct them in the Lord. How exactly do you do that? Well, that takes us to some simple and proven and biblical tactics. We've got our mission. We've got our winning strategy. Here are the tactics. First, dads, provide your kids with an example of godliness. Provide them an example of godliness. Dads, whether you realize it or not, your kids are... Their eyes are on you every single day. From the time they're born to the time they're out of your house and even beyond that, they are watching you. And they're learning what mature, godly manhood looks like as they see you. So dads, don't waste that opportunity. Okay? Leverage the opportunity to provide your kids with a compelling example of Christian maturity. Set them an example of godly speech. Colossians 4, verse 6 says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. So dads, as your kids are, are listening to you as you speak to your wife, and as they're listening to you talk to people over the phone, and as they hear what you're saying about your coworkers and your fellow church members around the dinner table, whenever they hear you speak, let them hear godly speech. Let them hear what it sounds like when a godly man opens his mouth. Understand that your kids are listening to your speech even when you don't know they are. And so never drop your guard. You're going to think that because it's late at night and you're in your bedroom and you've shut the door that your kids can't hear you anymore. Not true. Those little ears are pressed against the other side of the door. They want to know what's going on inside of mom and dad's bedroom, and they're listening to your speech. Set them an example of godly speech. Dad, set them an example in your use of strength. Your use of your strength Dads, you are the biggest and the strongest member of your family. Show your kids that God gives a man strength not to intimidate his kids, not to mistreat them, but he gives them strength to protect them and to work to provide for them. And he gives a man strength so that he can lead his family with courage. Let them see you using your strength as a godly man. By the way, dads, 
This is why that rough-and-tumble play with your small kids is so important. Because when you're playing rough and tough with your kids, they are learning that you are really strong. Okay? Like orders of magnitude stronger than they are. And yet they're also seeing that your strength is under control. And that you are using your might not to hurt them, but to have fun with them. And that there are limits that you will never transgress. And you're using your strength to have fun. And they, they enjoy the play. I think this is one of the main reasons why kids are always asking their dads to play rough and tumble. They want to see their dad's feats of strength, but they want to see it in the context of a, of, of a safe and fun environment. They want to feel safe around you. Show them that your strength is what makes you safe, not a threat to them. Dads, give them an example of how to face adversity as a mature Christian man. You will face much adversity as you're raising your kids. You're going to have financial hardships. Okay? You're going to lose jobs. Or inflation is going to spike and it's going to get hard to pay the bills. All those financial troubles are going to come your way. You're going to encounter health problems, maybe accidents or injuries in the workplace, or maybe a dreaded disease afflicts you or other members of the household. Your kids are going to witness you stressed out many times because of work or other things. But Dad, show your kids that you're a man of faith. Show them how a man of faith walks through all of the adversity of life without being ruined by it. Be an example like Job was, a man who lost everything, and yet how did he respond? Not in anger or bitterness, not in forsaking his faith in God, but he drops to his knees in worship. And he says, the Lord gave and the Lord is now taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Be an example, dads, of facing adversity in a godly way. Dads, your mission is clear. You need to make disciples of your kids. Your strategy is clear. You must not provoke them, but instead raise them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And here is one of the tactics that will accomplish the mission. Be an example to them of godliness. But then a second tactic. Next, you need to leverage the power of your words. Leverage the power of your words. Now, I've already mentioned that your kids are listening to you while you're talking to others. Now I'm, now I'm talking about your speech directly to them. As you're talking to them, make sure that you are leveraging the power of those words. Dads, think carefully about how you can use your words to encourage your kids in the ways of God. Use words that will build your kids up. Tell your kids that you love them. Tell them that you're proud of them. When you see them doing virtuous things, praise them for it. Let them know, son, daughter, I saw what you just did, and I'm so proud. That was the right thing to do. Offer them words of encouragement. But then dads, also be ready with corrective words. When you see them making sinful choices, tell them that you have seen a sinful choice. Explain to them how they need to make that right through repentance and renewing their faith or getting right with the people that they have hurt. 
Dads, use scriptural words at all times. Deuteronomy 6, verse 6 says, These words that I command you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. So dads, all day long, at every opportunity, bring the wisdom of Scripture to bear on your kids. Help them to see how Scripture applies to every department of life. Do this in informal times, spontaneous moments, but also have structured time with your kids where you can discuss the scriptures with them. Now, Joel Beakey is the president of Puritan Reform Theological Seminary in Grand Rapids, and he recently told the story about his parents' anniversary. Both of his parents have have passed away, so this story goes a, a while back. But his parents were celebrating a major milestone anniversary, and all the kids were there to celebrate with them. And something the kids did is, is talk individually to their mom and their dad, telling them what was most impactful about their parenting. And Joel Beakey said that without fail, every single kid there said the same thing to their dad. They said, Dad, the single most impactful thing you did with us was lead family worship. And that meant he read scripture to them and he prayed with them. And sometimes... They would sing together, too. They said that made all the difference in their their childhood. So dads, consider the value of family worship in your households. Just a little bit of scripture reading, maybe a little bit of scripture memory, maybe praying with your child one-on-one as you're tucking them in. It doesn't have to take a long time. Or maybe even as a family, you should do this together. But be ready with scriptural words. Be ready with gospel words whenever the opportunity arises. Make sure that your kids are hearing the gospel from you. Don't expect them to get it from Sunday school or from somebody else, from their Christian school teachers. Make sure they are hearing the gospel from you. Call them to faith and repentance. And then dads, also be ready to apologize to your kids when you fail, because you will fail them. There are going to be times when you have had a bad day and you are going to lash out at your kids. It's going to happen. You're going to say something to them that you wish you could take back. Dads, when that happens, don't be so proud that you can't seek your kids' forgiveness for it. You must go to them. You must confess the nature of your sin. You must ask them if they will forgive you. And then together you can move on. And in so doing, dads, you will provide them with a model of Christian humility. And you'll also gain your children's trust. They'll see that that dad is still growing in his spiritual life too. He doesn't have it all figured out yet. And sometimes he sins and he has to seek forgiveness just like they do. It'll help you to bond with your kids. So dad, set an example of godliness for your kids. Leverage the power of your words to your kids. And then thirdly, dads, use your God-given executive authority in your homes. You see, God has made you the responsible leader of your home. And with that comes the right and the responsibility to make rules in your home. Not like the ones we talked about before, you understand. But to have rules that are simple, 
that are biblically rooted, that are reasonable, that are enforceable. Make rules in your house, rules that are like guardrails to keep your children in that healthy soil. So, for example, you will need rules about speech in your household. Explain to your kids that in this house, we don't call each other names, we don't belittle one another, we don't lash out in anger toward each other. Our speech is controlled in this household. And rules about behavior, simple, straightforward, easily enforceable rules. In this home, we do not do these things, but we do this instead. For example, we don't hit one another. Instead, we talk about what's making us frustrated, and we resolve our problems verbally. We make rules about speech and behavior. We establish chores for our kids. More and more chores as they grow up because our kids need to learn responsibility. If they're a part of a household, they should be contributing to their household. Give them chores to complete. Have rules about entertainment in your home. And I say this over and over again because this is where parents fail the most. I am convinced of it. And I understand why. It's because you've got all these things you have to do when you're at home. I mean, you've got a lawn to mow. You've got a house to clean. You've got dishes to take care of. You've got a thousand things to do. You've got a checkbook to balance or all these things. And your kids are running amok all over the house, and you can't get the work done with, with them running amok. And so you say, okay, let's just give them a screen. And for 90 minutes, they're going to be still... <laughs> And they're not going to talk, and they're not going to interrupt me. They're just going to veg for a while. And so we put the smartphone in front of them or the tablet, or we, we turn on the television, and we let them veg out so that we can get our work done. But the trouble is we're not paying attention to what we're letting them veg in front of. We're picking a channel, turning it on, or picking something that maybe we liked when we were kids, but we don't realize that it's, the show has changed since we were kids. And we expose them to things that... They are too young for. Parents, we need to be very careful about this. Would you ever allow your children to take the Lord's name in vain in your household? If not, then why on earth would you allow somebody on the television screen to take the Lord's name in vain in your household, in front of your kids? Would you allow your kids to swear or to belittle each other in your home? Then why would you let them watch something where someone's going to be swearing in your home? You see, we need to be careful. Whatever rules we have for the living members of our household, those rules should apply to the entertainment we're bringing in for our kids as well. Be careful about what you expose them to. Parents, set rules about the local church and how your kids will be involved in that local church. Have the attitude of Joshua, who said, As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Kids, if you're under my roof, you're following me to church on Sunday morning. And you're going to sit and you're going to listen as God's word is expounded. And you're going to listen as we sing and as we pray to God. Once you're an adult, do whatever you want. I can't control you then. But now, because I'm your parent and I love you, I know you need this. And I need you to go along with me. Simple, straightforward rules. Dads, you can also use your authority to protect your kids from the world's most harmful influences. We've already talked about entertainment. But there are other things that your children 
could encounter, things that you may want to protect them from. And it's getting harder every single year, isn't it? Because first, the world and its ungodliness went after our teenagers. Then they started going after our middle schoolers. Then they started going after our elementary schoolers. Now they're going after our preschoolers. Earlier and earlier, they're trying to capture our kids. Dads, you need to have some manly courage here. And you need to say, as the father of this family, I get to decide what and when and how my kids are exposed to ungodliness. I get to decide that. Not the TV programs, not the schools. Nobody gets to decide except me. And you need to protect your kids from things that they are not ready for. When I say not ready for, I mean things that they will simply absorb like sponges and not yet be able to process with a biblical worldview. Wait until they are ready. It might be different for each of your, your children, different ages. Our kids mature at different paces. But protect your kids. Don't expose them to godlessness until they are ready to respond to it well. And then together with your wife, dads, develop consistent and proportionate disciplinary measures to correct your children when they violate your rules. Because laws without an enforcement mechanism, these are not laws, they are just suggestions. And children rarely follow our suggestions. So talk to your wife and say, here are the rules, and this is how we will enforce the rules. Here is the disciplinary process that we will follow, and you hold each other to it. It's going to be hard. It's no fun to discipline kids. But it's absolutely necessary. Dads, realize that indulging your children's sinful attitudes and actions will not help them grow up into mature Christian disciples. It will only reap a harvest of sin in the future. So dads, to summarize here, we have our mission, we have a winning strategy, and we have the tactics Our tactics are to provide a godly example to our kids, to leverage the power of our speech with our kids, and to use our God-given executive authority in the home. Dad, this is your responsibility. It rests on your shoulders to see that it gets done. If all this sounds like a tall order, you're right. It is. It's going to require you to work on yourself a whole lot. You see, we can't be fathers like this unless we are men like this. You're going to have to work on yourself, your own spiritual life. That means you're going to have to spend a lot of time in private prayer, asking God to help you become the kind of man that you need to be. You're going to have to spend a lot of private time in the Word, learning the wisdom of Scripture, so that you'll become this kind of a man. You're going to have to work on yourself It may also mean that you have to modify your personal ambitions. Because I understand what it's like to be a man. We have ambitions, especially related to our careers. But dads, we got to realize that there is a higher ambition to make disciples of our kids. If you choose to become a husband and a father, that's got to be your highest ambition. If you can't handle that, don't get married, don't become a dad. But if you are going to have kids, everything 
career, everything has to be subordinated to that higher goal. You want your kids to grow up to know and to love the Lord. Modify your ambitions, dads. And then finally, you'll have to die to self every day. You're going to come home from work exhausted some days. But as soon as you step through the door, your kids are going to be running up to you, bear-hugging your legs, not letting you walk a step further, and they're going to want to play. And you're going to say, oh, I just want to sleep. And your kids are going to say, but we just want you to play. You're going to have to die to self. You're going to have to play. Now, don't misunderstand me here. It's good to have a day of rest each week. Okay? That's a biblical principle, to have a Sabbath rest. You need that to recharge. It, it's also not wrong to say, kids, I've been playing with you for eight hours. Entertain yourselves for a little bit. Okay? That's all right. But what I'm talking about is being away from your kids all day at work, day after day, and then coming home and just picking up a newspaper or turning on a television set and giving them no attention when you're home. That's not going to work. That's not how you make Christian disciples. And that's certainly not how you convince your kids that you love them. You're going to have to die to self, dads. You're going to have to say, there will be plenty of time to rest when I'm dead. <laughs> right now, right now I've got to stay awake and be with these kids. And dads, you can also take heart knowing that God has given you all the resources you need to succeed. You have his grace. You have his word. I trust you have a godly wife who is there at your side. You have a local church, which is your village, to help you raise your kids. So to conclude, dads, our mission is clear. We are to pass on the faith to the next generation. We also have a winning strategy. It's not to provoke our children to anger, but instead to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And we've got our proven tactics to leverage the power of our examples, our words, and our God-given authority to lead our kids in the way that they should go. Dads, we can do this. Let's do it together. And let's bow together now in prayer. Our Father, we do thank you for all that your word teaches us about fatherhood. And I pray that you would help us to be good dads and granddads. Lord, please help us to set the tone in our households. Help us to be godly examples. Help us, Lord, to have godly speech at all times. Help us, Lord, not to shirk from our responsibilities as dads, but to use the executive power that you have given to us to make rules that are good and wholesome and wise and to enforce the rules. Help us, Lord, to die to ourselves. Help us, Lord, to take hold of all of the resources you provide. Lord, help us to be a source of support to one another in this church. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.